What up, Roanoke Valley? My name is Travis Schmidt. Welcome to Beats, Brews, and Buddies. With me today is my great ho- co-host, Jeremy Price. <laughs> We're co-hosts. Co-hosts. We, we just agreed before we started our I, first test you flight. You didn't want to host, so I'm gonna, I need a co-host. I need a co-pilot. Yeah. We're uh, buddies. Buddy hosts. Today on Beats, Brews, and Buddies... Beats, Brews, and Buddies. We got our special guest, Corey Schmidt. But I believe, before we even start, we got to talk about what, what we're brewing today. We are brewing, well, nothing too fancy, oh. but it's definitely worth noting. Uh, the Blue Moon makes a mango wheat now, and we're going to try it. Yes, delicious, delicious, delicious. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, that was good. Sip away from the microphone. You sh- you be should right. <laughs> Who cares? I don't know. This is meant to be informative and live. Informative, informative, and live. Cool. Um, do you want to talk about your brother, or am I going to talk about your brother? I think you should talk about my brother. Introduce him because I talk to him and see his pretty face all the time. Well, he's got a uh, well, bio. A heck of a little bio here. Do you want me to read this? I, I, you don't have to read the whole thing. Um, I don't. Well, it's not that long. Yeah, let me introduce you. M. Corey Schmidt. Can I ask what M stands for? Michael. Michael Corey Schmidt is currently the director of bands at Forest City High School and Middle School, as well as the director of Wind Symphony at Waldorf University. At Forest City Schools, Corey teaches grades 6 through 12, conducts four different bands, and currently has over 200 students in his program. Under Corey's direction, the FCHS Concert and Marching Band grew from 58 to 120 members. Wow. His ensembles have earned numerous Division I superior ratings at state-level events, as well as first-place finishes at the Adventureland Festival of Band and the Algona Band Days Marching Contests. Wow. Those are words. Paragraph two. In 2017, Corey joined the music staff at Waldorf University where he assumed the role of director of Wind Symphony as well as adjunct professor of music. Since his arrival, the Waldorf Wind Symphony has grown in quantity of membership and quality of performance. As the ensemble has performed challenging wind band repertoire in the beautiful Bowman Fine Arts Center, composers performed by ensemble include Holst, Granger, I might say some of these wrong, Perichetti, Persichetti. Persichetti. It's like persecution. <laughs> I didn't want it to be that. Oh, it's Italian. It is the Bruschetta. Bruschetti, Nelson, Ticelli. Is that also Italian? Ticelli. Close. Ticelli from Jeremy. I'm kidding. <laughs> Hazo. Tell me these names. Hazo. Hazo. Hazo, yeah. Markowski, Gillingham, Giro. Giroux. Giroux. Yeah. This is why we're doing the podcast. Uh, Darty. Darty. To get that one right, Mackie, Bryant, Whitaker, ooh, Jello, Jello, why I'm not Jello, Carrick, Carrick, yeah, <laughs> Ball Majors, cut all of them. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. Ball no. Majors, yeah, he's actually Ball eight, Ball what? Ball Majors. <laughs> <laughs> Ball Majors. We're not laughing Ball at your Majors. name. In 2014, Corey earned his master's degree in wind band conducting and trumpet performance at the University of Northern Iowa, where he conducted the UNI Pet Band and the UNI Concert Band. He also performed with the award-winning UNI Jazz Band One. Is it called Jazz Band One? Jazz Band One. 
and traveled internationally on tour to Thailand. Interesting. We got one more paragraph, guys. Originally from Virginia, Corey earned his Bachelor of Music Education degree in 2012 from James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. While at JMU, Corey played trumpet and cornet in numerous ensembles. And he was the drum major for the 450-member Marching Royal Dukes. I didn't know that. I want to talk about that. Um, where's my highlighter? I'm kidding. I'll remember. <laughs> he, he has marched in the Macy's Day, uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, as well as London, the London New Year's Parade. As a performer, Corey has performed with numerous jazz and classical musicians, such as the Jim McDonough or Donna? Jim McDonough. Jim, ah, see? The Jim McDonough Orchestra, John Hollenbeck, John Clayton, Donnie McCaslin. McCaslin, Craig Morris, David Childs, Les Nish. Is that one right? Nish, yep. Getting there. As well as the rock band Kansas and the Motown group The Temptations. He currently plays lead trumpet in the Iowa Jazz Composers Orchestra. Corey is happily married to his wife, Teresa, and is the proud father of his son, Edward, and dog, Luna. This was thorough. Yeah, he did a good job on that. I feel like... That was for... A write-up for an honor band that I got to conduct. Yeah. So that would have been in a program where people could read that before they watch their children play their instruments. But yeah, yeah. Oh, I've certainly I'm, learned. I'm thrilled that you read all of that. I'm but. thoroughly disappointed he didn't put the the band Unconditional with his loving brother who led him into victory in his first album. But you know what? I'm a selfish being, so it's it's all right. It's all Is right. Some family. So you guys had a band. We did. We did a we did the, the Christian music scene back in 2010, 2010, that was 2007. Here in here in Roanoke. In between college between, years? Yeah, it was when I was at JMU. It was like 2008 to 2012, that kind of range. Nice. I mean, I, I think that's a great starting point for, for conversation is you started with high school, um, marching band, high school music program here in the Roanoke Valley. Um, you you were not drum instructor, Jeremy, at that time, were you? Who was drum instructor? Me. It was Sean, Sean Deal and Sean I. Deal was right before you, and then yeah. it was you. But I remember Jeremy being your drum instructor. True. Mm. Mm. So maybe being our, our pilot episode, should we introduce our relationship to each other? Or should we just keep moving forward? I think you guys should totally do that. You're the host, co host. Oh, uh, being a pilot episode. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, this is your idea, right? Well, this is both of ours. <laughs> so me being here in Roanoke, um, I would have written all this out for myself to read, just like that beautiful, beautiful. It took ten minutes. Though. <laughs> it was, it We're was at seven nineteen right now. We're doing okay on time. Yeah, you can do the Cliff's Notes version. I, you know, I'm a I'm a semi professional musician around here in Roanoke. I it is a by evening ordeal because uh, by day I am a special education teacher um, at a local high school. Um, music is a passion of mine, and and to kind of introduce that and the podcast is um, obviously important because I'm here with uh, my mentor, my musical mentor, Mr. Price, who has far more experience uh, than I uh, do. But we will talk about those things in our episodes. Uh, we've got a lot of different ideas to float around. But I think the goal uh, of this podcast is to, to build a, a greater community here in Roanoke and uh, to identify the, the wonderful professionals that we that grow here and either stay or leave. Um, hence why we have Corey on the show today. 
Um, and I think it's, uh, I think it's imperative that we, we discuss the, the community and, and how we can create a, maybe a different mindset and culture around here to collaborate and, um, reduce that competition between one another, maybe learn to grow a little bit better as a, as a community musicians yeah um you know reduce the competition uh i think competition is healthy to a certain degree but community is far more fertile uh, than competition i believe you know and you could disagree with that um i have a competitive spirit and because of that i recognize competition and i rise to it at some point it has to become community so you can support others that want to do the same stuff um i'm jeremy <laughs> I, I was, I guess I'm Travis's mentor or was, or <laughs> is weave still. in and out of that, that, um, that responsibility. But, uh, there are a lot of musicians in this area and a lot, and what you said a minute ago was, um, what'd you say? Part-time semi-professional. Semi semi-professional. There are so many semi-professional musicians around here. And when I say semi-professional, I mean, they actually supplement their income, uh, they're not just happy because they're playing and they're artists and all that's fine, but they act, th this community is fertile ground for those that want to make money, make extra money playing music, and there are many avenues here, and it's a mystery to a lot of people. There's theater. There's musical theater. You can play in the, the orchestral pit in theaters. You can take the academic route, uh, all of which have many, many different branches. You know, there are many leaves on these trees. Uh, some people just want to play in the reggae band. Some people are multi-instrumental. Uh, there are many, many paths in this hustle. And we have a very vibrant community. And if anything, I'd like to bring us together a little bit. Yeah. And, and make it a little more, make the path a little more clear for those that want to do the same thing. Um, I was discouraged in my, in my early years as far as wanting to make music for a living. And, and I'm not upset about that. It was, it was you know, any responsible parent or uh, um, adult might say, hey, have a good backup plan, right? And I did have a backup plan. And only when the backup plan solidified did I actually, quote unquote, make it. But I want to talk about those terms, make it. I want to talk about music education. I want to talk about just having a place where people can learn more about the many ways to get where they want to go musically. Really like that you said that Roanoke's a f very fertile area for, for musicians. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I look at just my experiences of just what little I've played. And I've played so many different great places in so many different wonderful groups in so many different genres and like there's opportunity here and i think we want to to grow that and uh build that community and culture i like i like those words so <clears throat> so posing that question and thinking of community and culture i think it's i think it's important for us to to even bring back the people that have played those roles in our lives and Corey uh obviously has for me he was my go-to keyboard player for the longest time and not trained in playing piano and keyboard self-taught um something to be mentioned you know I was self-taught guitar and vocals and I was uh I, I uh I did take lessons doing drums but we can get to that another less another another podcast down the road but Corey you want to explain maybe where you started and uh, I know your your lovely bio gave us a, a good roundabout picture but let's talk about where you started here in Roanoke yeah the bio talks a lot about my time subsequent to Roanoke and my time 
here started as many musicians did in your high school or middle school band program. Um, I was a little bit of a rebel and started a year later than most students do. Most students in the Valley here start in sixth grade. Um, that year, I instead took this course called Interest Block, where you could dabble in all sorts of different other things like technology and what's now family consumer science, but back in our days to be called home ec and different things and art and all of these different things, but not music. But I was watching, I was watching Travis go through band as a percussionist. And I was very inspired by that. My, I also was very inspired. My, my grandparents would always take us to the, the DCI show in Salem. Yeah. And, uh, while Travis was staring at the drums, I was staring at the trumpet players. So there was, guys that were coming up on the sideline and playing these scream solos, and I was just very, very drawn to that. But I, I decided for some reason in sixth grade I wasn't going to do band. But halfway through the year, I, I watched some of my friends get into it, and I had gone to those different ideas and different concepts, and I I just was like, I got to do this, I think, or at least try it. So I started band in seventh grade, so that I think I did my math earlier today. That was in 2002. So well, 20 years ago. And uh, I'll never forget my first teachers, Mrs. Sarver, who's recently retired from Northside and from Cave Spring. Uh, Mrs. Hannon, Mrs. Hannon was her kind of assistant that helped at the time as well. So she was technically my very, very first teacher. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, they really got me started and really got me in love with uh, music and just music making and playing an instrument and being a part of a group, you know, um, right away, I think Northside had a great culture for starting jazz really early. There's a stage band. And so mm -hmm. not only was I getting classically trained, I was also getting pop rock jazz trained at mm -hmm. the same time. And I really enjoyed that, that approach to the education. And so that's, that's where it all started. And mom and dad bought me my first trumpet and, um, I just made sure that I was going to do them proud by practicing it and, mm -hmm. and, Having fun, so that's that's where it started in, in 2002, and then I, I obviously fell in love with it to the point where I think sometime my junior year of high school, I decided that I wanted to make a career out of it. I was really, really inspired not only by Mrs. Sarver and Mrs. Hannon, I was really inspired by uh, Mr. Tim Gallion, who's still the director of bands at Northside, and uh, was Travis's band director for two years. Is yep, his older brother yeah. Danny was my band director. There's, the first, there's my more freshman about, and sophomore. More about Danny Gallion in just a moment. But yeah, Tim is still at Northside. And in fact, his brother, Thomas, teaches at Hidden Valley, I believe. So mm -hmm. there's some some great teachers slash musicians uh, that are actively teaching our students right now in the Valley. And it's it's great. But I was, I was highly influenced by those folks. And sometime that junior year when I was selected as a drum major for the marching band, I kind of realized that there was this intersection of my talents and my passion, right? So my talent was I had a, a pretty natural ear and affinity for music. There were things about music, both orally and visually, that just really made sense to my brain. And then there's always been, I think, a, a passion in the Schmidt family to help people. Um, our family does that in a lot of different ways. My dad has helped people build houses. He's helped engineer new technologies. My mother helped people uh, with speech issues. 
You know, Travis has helped people with behavioral issues. Our other brother, Josh, helps people fly because he's a pilot. <laughs> so, I think there's this this uh, this love. There's this love for service in our family. Mm. And so when I realized that there was a career path that could pay me to coalesce my talents and passions, it was it was pretty darn clear. Mm. And so there's kind of two really eye eye opening moments, if I can share that in my junior year, where it was one one time was the first time I ever got to conduct a halftime show mm-hmm. and take the center podium and kick the marching band off and get them going. It was, it's a really powerful feeling yeah. being in front of all of that sound. And I've always, being a conductor, I've always enjoyed the, the mutual energy that's being transmitted from player to conductor, conductor to player, and then how the audience also is a big party member of all of that as well. Can I stop you there? Yeah. I love the visualization of being in front of your band though and like feeling that power where I think most of us around here are like, oh, I get my thrill and my energy from being in front of an audience. Flipping it. Yeah. Yeah. So my like, back is to the audience yeah. most of my So in the, in in that regard, absolutely. So yeah. it's it's it but it's the same kinds of vibes, it if is. you will, I think. And it and as you all know, it's really, really fulfilling and it's there's just nothing like it's like the world's best drug um and then the other the other part of it for me was i i believe we were we were charged with the task of teaching the freshmen how to march as as drum majors so mr galleon could go kind of do other things and he relegated (laughs) us to do that very very important task but i'm very grateful that he he put and instilled that power and trust into us because it was in that moment that I realized that I really enjoyed helping people. And like, I just remember there was this one guy, I'll keep his name uh, anonymous, but there was a, there was this young man who just was really struggling really hard at first, but I, I eventually the more and more I helped him, the more he started to understand it and really started to execute it well. And it was just, it's really fulfilling to be a part of that process. So that's kind of an, in a nutshell, what happened during my Roanoke years of, of just being in a band program and really diving deep into it. And I was I was just so thrilled at what Northside had to offer from not just a playing experience, but I really, I got to get super into music theory. Like, um, Mr. Galleon, Tim did an awesome job of teaching music theory. I, I got to, I got to basically learn, uh, what I would learn in college, <laughs> but in high school, I actually tested out of my whole first year of, of music theory. Cause of that, cause, cause of, of that class, what I did in, in those two years of studying um, with him. I want to, I want to uh, speak to a couple of things, uh, theory. Maybe four things. I don't know. I love music theory, and I'm a drummer. I do too. Oh, that's uh, great. I just, um, I don't, I don't. There's a point at which I think we're drowning in concepts that don't necessarily need to exist, <laughs> and that is not that. I, I know it. I can. I get to that point, and something I've gotten good at. It's something that's been difficult in my life is knowing when to stop both positive things and good things. Like I used to work out to a point where I was freakish, but eventually hurt myself. Um, I used to drink a whole lot back when I was on, on the road, right? These types of things. I also, you know, so I would consider one of those positive, one of those negative. Um, The beautiful thing about being my age now is starting to get a grasp on that. But with music theory, you can go to a point where things become very circular and you have to be in a certain uh, in a certain group of people to even have these conversations at which you're really just having time with each other. <laughs> and that is worth something. I want to make sure that I, that I say that. But um, 
there's, there's there seems to be two points here: a point where you knew you loved music, and a point at which you knew you were going to be involved with it forever. Uh, they, they can be one and the same. I think they were one and the same for me. But there was a point at which you talk about giving back. You're speaking to the service that your family naturally has, right? You, you mm-hmm. naturally are, are uh, people that like to give back, people that like to help. Uh, I think I am as well. I had this this epiphany. Well, I'm the same guy. I'm a little more, probably a little more harsh with my um, my 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 wanting to help you get out of something. I, I'm more of a coyote teacher, which means I help you figure out your own damn way. <laughs> um, because I, you know, I had to do the same thing, and I also am not educated in educating. Right, I do it from my heart. I do it from yeah. my soul. Um, I find gaps in people who are educated in educating. I find gaps, people that, that take, take these roots, and these, these are the only ways that you can teach someone. I actually, as avant-garde as I might be, I'm like, nope, I like to look at the person and figure out what's going on. So I'm good in some ways and probably bad in others, and, and I admit all these things. But when did you know you absolutely loved music, and when did you know there wasn't another option? Like, this is what you were going to do. They could be one and the same, but you you spoke earlier and mentioned two points that I, I think you've already mentioned it, but I, I want to want to focus in on those for a second. That's a beautiful question. And it, you're totally right about the music theory stuff. We can, we can talk about that a little bit later. I don't know. I we think, still got 25, re- 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think back if there was a certain piece of music or a certain moment that I heard, you know, one of my mentors talks about the very first time he sat in the band and he heard a crescendo and that was the moment. I think that's a really beautiful story to tell students. And maybe that was his moment. I don't know. I think it, like I said, I think it was like, it was that first time standing in front of, I had lots of those spine tingling, you know, chill bump moments in music prior to being a drum major, but there was something about being in the middle of that energy from, from ensemble to audience, like being directly in the middle of all of that energy being produced. Would that you, that was that was, was I kind of think. Would you consider moment. that facilitation? Like you wanted to facilitate the same I think experience there was you had? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's safe to say. Mm. Yeah, I, I know how much it meant to me. I know how much it meant to you, Travis. Watching, watching you just grow through that whole experience and and get so much out of it. There was so much positive coming from the whole experience that it was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was. Well, my experience cool. was very. F- Peer pressurey. Uh, I got <laughs> asked by a group of friends, like, "We we need a drummer, so you're gonna learn how to play drums. Here's here's a practice pad and find some sticks." And I was like, uh, "Uh, okay, what what am I gonna do?" And so I started taking lessons. And so like, but I didn't really have that aha moment for myself until I was in jazz band and I got to play with John DeEarth, who um, awesome trumpet player. awesome trumpet player, and I played "Fly Me to the Moon." It was my one of my first drum set songs that I played with a legit not that the other group that I wasn't playing with wasn't legit but it was this was like this was me meeting a professional <laughs> and having to play at such a young age of 14 15 and him looking at me like good job you know and it's That's just like huge. wow like that validation and that feeling of that validation and you know it, we could talk about the crowd but I, I like the symmetry um that you were talking about with um with breathing and having breath with our choice making and uh, finding a balance, uh, Jeremy. And I, I think, I think you've done a really good job of that, Corey, uh, in your, in your, with your passion and the way you teach. Um, 
And I also appreciate that you you admitting to being a coyote um, uh, teacher. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's some there's some 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 interesting things to, to to talk about that. I think that's great though that you you help people find themselves. I think that's really cool because I obviously come from a lineage and continue this path of everything is very formalized and everything yeah. has definitions mm-hmm. and you know we could go down that music theory wormhole for a long time conversationally mm-hmm. but yeah what to what end is it serving and mm-hmm. well as a behavioralist behavior is the same way you mm-hmm. you can look at the person and identify what's going on and then go through the book and say this this and this works or this medicine and this medicine works to fix this or you can treat the person as a person and i think and I don't want to speak for you, but with the same with music, you can treat music as music or you can make it as structured and as uh, not harsh, but uh, bland. Maybe, maybe that's the word I'm looking for bland uh, mm-hmm. to as, as possible. And I, I, I don't see uh, anybody in this room doing that. I think there's a lesson to be learned with finding the value in the guidance, but also letting go. Yeah. That's beautifully said. And I, I, wrestle with that a lot being a formal teacher but also trying to help facilitate students own love for music because I know that very very small percentage of my students are going on to do what I do and Mm -hmm. my biggest mission in life is to provide students an opportunity to have music in their life in some form I obviously would love for them to continue to play their instrument well through you know I being a 612 and college teacher i see the whole progression of retention from year to year or from big crossroad to big crossroad and so yes i would love for them when they start as a beginner to go all the way through their senior year of college like that is that is my big goal is to have an 11 year contract with their instrument Um, but it's also it's it's tough to especially in this day and age to expect that realistically but to kind of in a roundabout way, answered the the question, which is like, how did I know that it, there was really nothing else? It just, mm-hmm. eventually it just all became so all-consuming and just the people with which I was surrounding myself, be it Travis and his friends or my own friends in school, um, and then just my experiences in high school, it just made it so, so clear that there was, even if there were other career paths that I could have gone into. I was always really interested in the medical field mm-hmm. um, for various reasons, but I I just decided that this was just going to be the most fulfilling one for mm-hmm. me. I'm certainly not going to make as much money as a musician and or teacher as I would a doctor, but mm-hmm. uh, I knew that my soul would be fulfilled a lot more. So that was, that was huge. Nice. That was kind of the moment. Well, I think... Know, you know, uh, kids are going to experience this. Uh, adults still wrestle with this. You know, people want career changes when they're 35, 40, 45. You know, and, and another reason this podcast doesn't have to be 100% geared toward kids that are coming through the area who we want to nurture. Mm. Um, it can be for educators who might need to restrike that match, you know, to find that fire again. Sure. It could also be for people that realize a supplemental income or, or just making music for joy is also fine. Um, <clears throat> you said something a minute ago. Um, realizing that uh, your students are, aren't all going to take your path. It's important for all educators, in my opinion, and I'll stand pretty, uh, I'll stand it on, on a giant podium here and say it's important to, for educators to know you're not cloning yourself. 
And if you're trying to clone yourself, mm-hmm. you might not want to be an educator. You might want to be a performer in which you're still not going to clone yourself, but you can go be with yourself to that degree. <laughs> yeah. And I know some fantastic, I'm, I, I, uh, a lot of musicians I love that, 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 um, influenced me are those people, right? So I'm not calling one thing bad and one thing good, but you need to educate the person in front of you and, and you're not cloning yourself, but you're, if anything, fostering the joy that is music for them to have for the rest of their lives. So doing that is important. And educators, you know, you get in these systems of education. I know the, um, certain high schools are in the area that are really, really good when it comes to getting adjudicated. And I know some that are really, really good when it comes to putting out practical musicians that go and make a living. And they don't always, they're not always one and the same. No. And, and one is not always better. And, and again, I'm not trying to start fires. Um, Something to be mindful of. I think, uh, I think, Balance. I love that word. I'm going to use that word a lot when when I speak on this podcast. I'm I'm all about finding a happy balance, and I think we can we can we can do better at that. It, generally across the board, whether it's your life and your behaviors, but also finding a balance in the way you educate um, others. I mean, I, J- Jeremy and I both teach drum lessons, and like I know how difficult it is after a long day's worth of work to to come come home or go to the to the studio and and teach for another hour or two uh, after i just you know already taught special needs kids for for 6 hours and just to find a balance of how do i relate to this kid in a manner to to get him interested in this um in this inter- instrument and find find his own passion for it you know it's easy for us to to project our passions, but it's not easy for them to, for others to just really grab a hold of it and to find their own. Mm. Beautiful. Project your passion. Project your passion. Be careful of that. If you're, if, if you, uh, you know, you hold court for young, um, influenceable humans, it's be job. careful, be careful. Like, like, cause they, they, they're not you. And, um, you know, that's not to say they can't, uh, learn from you and, and, unfold that way but just be careful just be careful i do think the power of mentorship is is very important in mm-hmm. that it's not that you have to have a private i mean i didn't study privately trumpet until i got into college i took a couple of another rono guy i took a i took a couple of trumpet lessons with brian quakenbush who's the director of bands at cave spring and i took a couple of trumpet lessons with him to get ready for my auditions but that's all I took formally. And then, of course, my mentorship reception became significantly higher as I formally studied music rigorously for six years, you know, four at JMU and then two at UNI. Um, but I think that power of mentorship is really, really important. I can hip you guys to a book that I'm listening to right now. and, and uh, The us. listeners, uh, Dave Grohl, who's a... Oh, the storytellers. Yeah, the storyteller by Dave Grohl. I'm I'm not all the way through it. I'm not even to the Nirvana stage yet, <laughs> so I'm pretty early in the book. But yeah, it's obviously the front man for Foo Foo, uh, the Foo Fighters, and the Foo Foo Fighters, the Foo Foo Fighters, the Foo Fighters, and uh, Nirvana was the drummer for mm-hmm. them. But I'm in the chapters right now where he's talking about his days with the punk rock band. I think Scream. that's a Virginia boy as well. He is. Let's Northern not be Nova, geographically dominant. Guy. A Nova guy. <laughs> but. He's a Nova guy. But that book talks a lot about his journey, especially early on, and, and how 
you know, he, he went to take a drum lesson with uh, the local jazz drummer guy up in Nova, and, and he kind of fell flat on his face to do his first lesson. He was holding his sticks wrong. Oh, yeah, of course. He's holding them by the flared part because he thought that's what naturally where your fingers wrapped around. There, uh, mm, I don't, we don't want to open yeah. this up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, but how how important, like you said, it, it is to tread that balance of like you you have to teach them hopefully the right ways because there's certainly right ways to teach things. Absolutely. And there's, there is such thing as technique and I, mm-hmm. I obviously believe that to a very high degree. Um, sure. But to also stay out of their way a little bit and let them foster their own love and passion for things and stay out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's dangerous this path you have to take as a mentor. But it's but I think you have to in order to lead you have to be a good follower. So mm-hmm. I, I think you have to put yourself through the rigor of getting your butt kicked like by somebody. For in, in Travis's case, like you were a really good butt kicker. Like you you did a nice job of just pushing him in certain ways, but then also allowing him to grow in his own ways. And I think that's what's led him to become the musician that he is now. I'm not trying to blow sunshine up my brother's butt. No, thank you. you. I am, I am (laughs) co-host. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's important. It's important. I, you know, I think it's important for these young musicians in this area or even just older musicians to continue to have some, level of mentorship or and growth. How about yeah, just growth. growth and learning? Yeah. And yeah, that kind of taps into an idea that's been floating in my head a lot, which is I'm really committed to being a lifelong learner and I, you know, we preach, we should never stop growing. We should never stop learning. And well, you gotta so let go to, you gotta let go of the ego first. <laughs> in my opinion, uh, you gotta let go of your ego. I'm, I'm 36 years old and I just started taking drum lessons again. And it's been, it's been fantastic for, for my, not only my mental health, but my playing. And, um, it's been, it's been a wonderful road for my progression. And I, I, I don't regret or beat myself up, but like, there's a part of me is like, why, why didn't you just continue? Why didn't you just keep doing this? And so like, you know, life definitely bogs you down at, at times, but, um, I'm very pleased and encourage our listeners to, um, keep at it. Yeah. Uh, there, it seems like an old adage or a cliche or whatever you want to say, the whole keep learning thing. It's not. And sometimes the learning is the unlearning. Like sometimes <laughs> you'll take your own opinion, which you've held in your pocket for 10 years, and you will just ball it up and throw it in the trash because of some other things you've seen experientially. And that is learning. Unlearning is learning. And it's not a cliche. I'm, um, I'm going to say this. I don't know when this is going to be, but I bought a drum set last night. It was uh, late. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to figure out who I am these days at my instrument because I just want to be efficient. And uh, so the less stuff I have in front of me, the less trouble I can cause <laughs> and the more gigs I may or may not get. But some people pay me to play a little crazy. Um, and, you know, but post-stomp, I didn't know what I was. And I hadn't played that instrument in many, many years, like a decade. I haven't played it consistently in 15 years. So my, my thought process was different. My hands are a bit older. Um, I'm not concerned with the same things musically. So I had to go back and be like, who the hell am I back here? And those people who actually, I'm not trying to praise myself, those people who actually sit down with a, with a sense of responsibility, right? You're about to go bludgeon people's ears for a while. Take a little responsibility with that. 
right? If you're in a punk rock band, if you're playing trumpet in, in an academic world, whatever you're doing, take a little bit of responsibility for what you're actually doing and ask yourself who you are, and what you're trying to get across and um, enjoy that journey. So, I, you know, I think I'm just now trying to figure it out. It's been two years. I've been gigging like crazy around town and loving it so much so that I want to teach again and have this podcast with, with you guys and, you know, get this community percolating again. Percolate. Percolate. But, yeah, um, I don't know where I was going with that. But I went there. And we're all here. So have some more of the blue moon. <laughs> so let's, let's, uh, let's talk about your um, experience in Iowa and then coming back home, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested and I'm sure our, our listeners are as well, like um, wh- what it's like coming home and playing um, after being away for for so long. And I know Jeremy can talk about that. I'm the only one in the room that can't because um, I've lived here all my life and I've only played here in all honesty. So um, I'm interested to hear the perspective of what it's like to, to leave home Go go get a little bit more knowledge and then come back and, and use that knowledge back in to home. The bulk of my music career, so it's 20 years, only six of them were spent here. And they were the formidable young adolescent, you know, puberties. <laughs> you know, it's just, and it, it's becoming distant memory almost at this point. But I'm, like I said earlier, in our conversation, I'm forever grateful of all of the foundation that was laid here. Um, you know, going out, moving to Iowa was a pretty simple choice. My, as we alluded to earlier, um, Danny Gallion used to teach here at Northside. That would have been your band director, right, Jeremy? Did you or? Oh you, no! I, well, so you would have worked with him as a drum instructor. I worked with him as an instructor, yeah. and um, I've always had a stiff arm to leading people. I've always been like, I don't really want to do this, but I always do it. So, you know, I always do. I find out I'm pretty good at it in that coyote way. Um, I enjoyed working with him because he was, in a way, in the world of marching band, a black sheep. He didn't really just want to do the things that marching bands were doing then and there. And I, if there's a word that might describe me in my soul, it would be black sheep. It's just it's someone that I just like to think for myself. It's, and... So we got along well. Um, but, yeah, he wasn't my instructor. So he's an incredible mentor that, you know, growing up in the, the galleon tutelage of Tim, it was pretty obvious that I would I would be comfortable with Danny. So Danny at, at that time was the marching band director at the University of Northern Iowa, and I moved there right after I graduated. A lot of, a lot of college music education majors will go get their couple years of experience and then go back but into school, but I, I just felt so strongly about him and his program and just everything just felt right that I, I took the unorthodox sort of black sheep road of Mm -hmm. going straight through. And I'm really grateful I did because those years of getting my butt kicked during my master's really informed my first years of teaching and allowed me to take over a really well-established program in Forest City and, uh, but it, you know, he was, he was a major influence in, in deciding to move there in the first place. And I'm promised Travis, I'm going to come around to answering your question. No, but take it, your time. It, it, it deserves context and a little bit of history, but you know, when I, when I graduated from UNI 
or was getting close to graduating from UNI in 2014, I was actually, I was really trying to get jobs back in Virginia. I wanted to move home. I was getting a little homesick. I was, I was ready to, like you said, gain all this knowledge and then come back and use it in this area or in this state. Uh, but nothing was really biting. I must not have been a very good Skype slash phone interviewer or, um, or E, because uh, I just, I was falling short. I even, Was that when you I applied have, for the the William Fleming? I did. Okay, sorry. I, I applied for that that gig when it was open around that time, and I never got a phone call back. So I assume it did not go well. Um, mm. But that was a really tough interview. I had some memories from that one. I totally flopped on some questions, but I just needed some confidence to feel like all of this work I had been doing was gonna finally provide me an opportunity to go do it so I I just found a place that I figured I could get an interview and that had good things going on that I was like well if if I do take the job here I can I can do it for some semblance of time and then uh see how it goes and that's my current job I eight I'm in my eighth year there now so it's it's crazy how the universe decided to take me down that road but every time I come home and I only come home you know, being a thousand miles away, it's it's tough to get back to this area. Mm-hmm. We we come, we being my wife and now our our kid, uh, <clears throat> we come twice a year here, usually in the summer and usually right around this time, which is the holidays in the winter time. Um, just great to escape northern Iowa during this time because it was like sixty five degrees on Christmas Day here and it was like twenty four back home. Uh, I'll so. <laughs> You like the cold? I do yeah. now. Yeah. But I didn't grow up. I don't long. mind it. I don't mind it. It's, it you, I've grown a little tougher with it. But anyways, it, it's always it's always really fulfilling to come back here. Although my my performing opportunities are relegated to probably one of two places. One, most recently, I, we, I typically play at church when I come home. Um, and that's another person that was really influential and important to me is Dan Keeley. He's a minister over at Our Lady of Nazareth and um, gave me a lot of opportunities, a lot of trust to do a lot of heavy playing for him throughout the years. And uh, as one of my trumpet professors used to joke with us, he said the trumpet player's two best friends are Christmas and Easter. Those are really good (laughs) paying gigs for us uh, (laughs) as trumpet players because everyone wants brass at those those services. And so... Um, and I've played a lot of weddings and funerals with Dan, and I'm just really grateful for him as well. But I come home, and I feel I feel very grateful to have uh, grown up here. It's certainly different. Iowa, um, being much more spread out, more rural. Um, you know, the town I live in right now is 4,500 people, and Travis teaches at a school that has 2,000 people, you know. Mm. Uh, What's that town again? Forest City. Forest so City. It's where Winnebago RVs are made. Really? Yeah. What is it close to? Well, it's really close to the Minnesota border. Okay. And the the big major towns that would be up there would be like Mason City and Clear Lake. Mason City is where the Music Man happened, 76 Drum Drums, Meredith Wilson, that whole okay. musical deal. Uh, so that's kind of like the claim to fame up there. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty desolate. It's pretty small. T- I mean, very, yeah. very small town, Iowa. No, I did not expect when I came in for my job interview, I was not very impressed. You know, one, there's two stoplights in town, you know, mm-hmm. and you drive by some of the stuff and it looks kind of run down. You're like, what is going on? But it's turned out to be one of the most special places I've ever lived because the people are incredible and mm-hmm. are so wonderful and generous and 
I will say culturally the Midwest is a lot more laid back mm-hmm. and people just do things for each other out of the goodness of their heart. Then here? Yeah, yes. I think there's a mentality here that it, uh, I will scratch your back only if you have scratched mine. I will agree with that. And I think what you guys are doing with this podcast hopefully can kind of break that barrier. But That's I've, the I've, goal. I, I view that a much, as a much different thing. That's not to say that there aren't beautifully generous and awesome people here. There are. Um, but I just see it more frequently out in the Midwest. But when I come home, I enjoy playing with that. I've enjoyed playing a couple times with uh, Travis has had a couple different rock cover band ventures that he'll ask me to stand in on some tunes. And that's always a blast. And I always enjoyed that approach to playing because it isn't as academic. It's more based on your ear and more based on just like your physical power to like, just go after it. It's a hundred percent different. That is, it is. And it's a lot of fun. So, um, (laughs) he's provided me a lot of opportunity to have some, some very memorable performances back here. And I just love how receptive this, this town is to that kind of music. I don't have that cup filled at all in Iowa. There's like a very, very small, if not non-existent mm. rock and roll scene back it's, home. I would and assume that it's cause I've been out there. It's hard to go listen to a group Unless you're going into the major towns and cities right. to and that's go. not to say if you're in one of the bigger places sure. like Des Moines or Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, there are groups there, but yeah. even even those groups are probably playing their their weekly somewhere and it's like yeah. a lot of the same kind of stuff. Sure, and there are rural like a, places here in Virginia too that that are like that in many respects. But like But Roanoke seems like there's like well, does I mean Dozens this is of a good groups. yeah. This is a good and that's place. That's crazy. Yeah. About this is a, it. a good point to interject for me is that um, when I left, when I got uh, my first quote unquote big gigger, and I got to leave town, I got to figure out who I was um, coming from here. Um, I met a lot of people from a lot of big towns, and they're very proud of their towns. I was not very proud of mine. I wanted out. I want to be very clear about that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I lived in Boston for a while and I learned that Boston's a great town. I have this weird affinity for Boston. Um, but it has to do with me moving there, not the city itself. Right. And then I, I toured for a long time and I went to all these cities, you know, some were, you know, bigger, like uh, let's say that Omaha, Nebraska, right? There should be a lot of bands playing in Omaha, Nebraska. This is, this is a Southwest Virginian mindset right here. And I came to find out that my town was thick with talent and um i'm not saying that everybody was just creme de la creme that's not what i'm saying i'm saying it was just a lot of music and a lot mm-hmm. of people and I, I at the time i didn't like the blues and i really didn't like bluegrass but i started to grow um homesick and but also very fond of this place that i came from so when i finally did get to come home it was about three years later i got to come from any length of time any stretch of time rather i I bought a bluegrass album. I must have been 27. And it was some kind of contemporary bluegrass. And then I started digging deep to some of the people, the names I'd heard here before I left toward. I'm like, this place is funneling talent. And there's a lot of talent we'll never hear of. You know, there's some guys out in Rocky Mount that play, that play some bluegrass that we'll never hear of. And when I'm telling you they can play, they can play. Wait. And I just started to put piece it all together. Like, I didn't even know. I was in the center of it. I was playing music with my with this band, The Hats, I played with, one of my favorite bands ever. Um, 
and and I didn't I took for granted this actual community that we had here, and there's this bubbling, you know, the competition, the 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 talent level, and I was like, I never knew. And we would go to bigger towns, and I'd be like, I don't. Th-. And we'd go hear bands. Some of these bands aren't very, not very good. And not to say don't be in a bad band. Be in a bad band. That's how you become good. But um, I noticed this, and and um, anyway, that was a good segue from some of the things you said. That this place is is um, there's a lot of talent here. There is. There's a lot of people pushing each other. That's the competition part. But I don't know how much there, are, how many people are trying to scrape the community together a little bit and and, and be more of a launching pad, you know, rather than a sparring ground. But um, both 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 are are good things to have. They are, and I think if we can nurture that with this podcast and bring some people and have some some ideas tossed around and how how to grow. Uh, there's a lot of great places to play at too. That's tons, the other thing. It's just some great. God rest Billy's Barn Soul. That was our home base for my group, Hauser Schmidt. It was it. He allowed us to experiment with music because we just weren't sure who was going to show up, and it was great. We could throw in random songs in our set list, and people would either dig it, and we would know, okay, Synchronicity by the Police didn't work out very well for us, so we were we're not going to do that one again. People didn't really, you know, enjoy it, but we enjoy playing it. But like, you know, so it was fun to say, oh, we played that song, cool, right? right. You know, and so um, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of great uh, venues here in Roanoke, tons. Not yeah. a, a lot doesn't even it doesn't even really do it justice. There are tons. You can drive out to Floyd and find five places to play. Yep. There's a reason every time I come on this a thousand mile trip that the horns are in the car. Like I know that just through, in case through Travis or through church or through some other potential idea that I I, <laughs> I could be putting the mouthpiece in the horn and we could be throwing down and that I, I, I really I love that idea I love that the, that that culture exists here it, it, it is really so does. unbelievably fruitful and it's not you know being a trumpet player is a, a niche market it's much different than being in a percussive setting or a guitar playing setting yeah. but uh, um but I respect the two of you and what you're doing here and how how much courage it takes to to just get out there and play all the time like you guys are, along with all the other things you're doing. Like like you said, this is this is side hustle, you know. Yeah. You you know the life of the, the full time musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy was in Stomp. If that, <laughs> if that wasn't established that Jeremy is so Don't worry. There will be a whole other episode uh, on uh, unbelievable amount of um, <laughs> experience you've gotten as a as a performer, but it's so cool and humbling to hear that you you came home like you you literally did. I don't know if I can say the same for my future, um, just based on my my family and my aspirations and, and different things. But um, well, and I know that if I were to come back home, I I'd be super happy mm-hmm. and. I never dismissed that idea. I knew I moved a, a thousand miles away from comfort um, for the teacher. <laughs> it's really for it was yeah. for Danny. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I knew that if I came back, I, I could be fulfilled and happy here for sure. Yeah. Did Did you know that he? So he trained his master's degree with Danny. I, th- I think uh, you told me. Yeah, and then I he Danny came to Bridgewater my senior year, and was my senior director before I graduated. So it's all these like moments and times yeah. where I kept seeing Danny. So Danny did his doctorate at mm-hmm. Florida and 
Tim took us on a band trip to Florida my freshman year of high school, saw Danny there, did a clinic with him. It was awesome. Yeah. Fast forward to some other time when you're in college and he's the band director there at Bridgewater, saw him there again. You know, fast forward again, <laughs> Tim gets married. Danny is one of the groomsmen in the wedding. You're a groomsman in the wedding. Tim asked me to play trumpet at the wedding which like when your band director asked you to play your wedding that's pretty like <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe one of my big milestones yeah, in yeah, life. Yeah. i practiced a lot for that one those are uh, those are glorious experiences it was really really cool right and but i got to take an opportunity i was invited to some of the the bachelor festivities and they're a dry family they're like real, they're 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 super sweet guys but so we do went, you still we call them festivities yeah. <laughs> they're dry yeah. right. the desert's a yeah. festivity but we travis arranged for all of us to go play paintball in the forest i did we did we were out in the forest around here in jeff is it jefferson national park is yep. that what? yeah so did we he have out. name tags ready for everybody because <laughs> i'm that organized everything was color-coded color there's spreadsheets for who could choose you got everything. the pink <laughs> paintballs okay but i literally watched watched danny galleon shoot up this guy that was like a former marine or something just shot this dude right in the head that was wearing a ghillie suit i was like that's awesome so it's great but all of that's to say that like there's it's pretty like even the gallons are just i hope you have one of them on the podcast at some point because they are uh they've just brought so much awesomeness to this group and yeah. i think uh, to this to this community and i think a lot of you know i'd like to believe that um the music educators are doing some of the fostering of for sure of of what's going on here in this town is that you know I, I got to play I got to play in talent shows um when I was in high school and we formed bands that's becoming less of a thing uh I've, I've noticed the students don't necessarily form groups anymore they do a lot of solo stuff they're mm -hmm. very interested in learning through YouTube which is great there's well, some really it, cool stuff out there, but there's no community in that other than no. just you and your, your keyboard or your guitar. And technology permits this, which is great because there's kids that are great this at it. This is a whole other worm. Like this is yeah. like, this is deeper than the music theory wormhole we could go down, but. Oh yeah. Um, We're just taking notes for more podcasts. Yeah. I mean, this, so. That's cool. I mean, these are awesome discussions that I'm looking forward to listening to you all talk about because you guys got some brains. Well, I'm um, pretty sure you're going to come back. I will. Yeah. Happily. It's going to have to happen. That wasn't mean you're leaving right now. No, no, no we're not done. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep going. Keep on going. We're going to keep going. Keep the questions coming. I love them. Did he answer yours or did, was it mine? Who well, yours about coming back? Yeah. Which was like no, 20 you definitely minutes ago. It. No, you did. <laughs> we yeah, roundabout way. It's always, it's always a pleasure to come home. And um, There's a lot here. Yeah. And what you said speaks to that and it speaks to why you know, the catalyst for even starting this thing. There's a lot here. There's a lot of people out there doing wonderful things in music. Hi, we're talking country music, rock music, big band. There are people out there doing, doing things. Um, a lot of them feel a pull, some sort of gravity to come back to town. I don't know if it's the mountains, the friendship, or the fact that it was a thriving community in the first place. And it's a great place to have a, a side hustle. And currently for me, it's a split hustle. And I actually mm -hmm. am really happy. And it took me a while to get here. But I like that. it's a, a great lot, place to do it. A lot of it's opportunity, in my opinion. There's a lot of great opportunity if you want to play rock, you want to play country, you want to play in the choir, in the church groups, and you can do bluegrass. You can do jazz around here. There's a, There was a former student of mine, and I didn't go see him uh, play, but uh, I 
I read about it and saw it on Facebook that he was in a jazz fusion group playing at the Kirk Avenue. Like, good for you, dude. Good for you for keeping jazz alive in, in this town. I used to play at the Hotel Roanoke in a trio and get pay, got paid just a, a hundred bucks to come play for three hours. And he, the guy would, it was piano, bass and drums. And he'd just be like, all right, uh, Samba. And so I just start playing a Samba beat. And he was like, all right, we're going to play a little, uh, little three, four. And, you know, and it just, he would just spout out things and we would play in the Regency room. And it was, it was one of the coolest gigs I've ever played, you know, just showing up, bringing a three piece and, and just go, you, there's no rehearsal, no nothing. And so like, there's so many cool opportunities in this town and which is why I posed the question, um, not to, to, to superly compare the cultures, but it is different. It is very 100%. different though too, you know? And I think, I think it's important for us to realize here in this hometown, this beautiful hometown to appreciate, to appreciate what we have here. Man, that's good stuff. Do we have more questions? Or I mean, we're almost at an hour. We are almost at an hour. Um, I think well, we should wrap up with when you cut down my introduction, you'll save yourself <laughs> about fifteen minutes. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. I don't like how you're looking at me because I didn't write it, but you are I correct. Did, I did, and I told you not to. <laughs> um, no, I mean, if if I learned anything from this particular one, is maybe get a little get a little better at the highlights, and maybe read it before you read it. You know, I did before you read it out loud because <laughs> I'm, I would have botched up all those names. No, but I think um, the, the way the podcast uh, circled back around to coming home is encapsulating. You know, it's all encompassing of why we wanted to start it in the first place. Yeah, and it no. just happened naturally. Um, it really wasn't. You did, weren't asking any leading questions. You weren't pulled in any direction, in any directions, and it just came back to, yeah. This yeah. is a really cool place for someone to uh, explore music and push and see where they want to go and decide if it's something they want to do forever or decide if they want to have it as a side hustle or just love it. And and I think it's important for non-musicians to hear because I tell you what, I had a hard time convincing my family that there were, there were no other options. And it wasn't until I started making money that they actually agreed with me. So it actually took the the finance part of it for them to agree. But behind that finance was not only a determined kid, like a stubborn little kid. There's a talented kid that had to work hard to figure out who he was because it wasn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily pushed in that direction. And this is meant for people to understand and for the kids that want to do it to have a resource. I will say that if, you're living here or if you're planning to come back no matter where you go the the advice i would impart is that yeah you have to work your tail off you got oh, to work like a duck and you got to you have got to practice your craft and be ready i have one i have one gigs based on my ability to sight read mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a crazy story where if time will permit uh i was going to go to a gig in Iowa City, I was going to go watch this really amazing band called Colossus, mm-hmm. jazz mug, big band in Iowa. And I was planning on going with some friends. This would have been my second year in grad school. And my jazz teacher, Chris Mertz, calls me and says, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to go see Colossus in Iowa City. Don't you play in that band? Don't you, don't you need to be on the way to the gig or something? He said, yeah. We need you to bring your horns. We're 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 very suddenly short a trumpet player, mm. and we desperately need you to play. Mm. Like, I, 
great. But hasn't everyone and their brother been talking about how this is the hardest jazz music to ever come through Iowa and it's like unbelievably challenging and that this is mm-hmm. crazy? Yes, but we need you. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was yes. yes. So <laughs> I brought my horns and mm-hmm. because I worked so hard on my sight reading or was really pushed to do so, especially in high school and in undergrad, um, I won a spot in that that group and that group has morphed into a couple other things and now is I'm I'm playing lead in the now new version of it, mm. uh, Iowa Jazz Composers Orchestra and so that little short story is all to say that you got to be prepared you got to be flexible um, but you got to be good yeah you just have to be good <laughs> and it's you know if that is if you want to get more gigs if you want to mm. get getting asked back yeah. to do things yeah. and you know if you're if your mission in life is just to have music as uh, some semblance of joy and you are just going out and experimenting and doing whatever you would want to do that's awesome i just think that if you're also interested in doing the things that we're talking about and the experiences that uh we've been through you definitely have to put the hard work in and, and yeah. practice and be prepared and bring a pencil to the gig and and have all your gear set up and ready to go and be timely, and, which means being early. I sound like this mm. is my band director coming out. Um, <laughs> There's that like, structure. You know, yeah, uh, and just yeah, and just being flexible and being and ultimately at the end of the day, just being kind. You have got mm. to be a good per- as as good as a player as you are. No one wants to work with an a-hole. So uh, you want to make sure that you're a good person. You really do. Mm -hmm. And work on your character as much as you do your your finesse and your skills. Yeah, I I think it's there's many things I want to say here, and I I don't want to go too far over, but um, it's a privilege to get to play. And if you're one of these people that knows how much work it's going to take, like like yourself, like myself, you know, you, um, you, you put time into... Being ready, mm. being prepared, because you don't know when it's going to come up. You don't know when the clouds are going to clear and here comes the sunshine and this is your big chance. You don't know. And you have to be ready. And and uh, I, the more people that discourage me from a career in music, uh, they, they were nothing but fuel to that fire. I was like, oh. And then once I found my way, I actually got complacent and I'm still relatively complacent. Like this, this thing, this, this, this desire to be better can ebb and flow. That's why we said earlier, you got to constantly keep learning. Um, and that unlearning is learning, right? You never know. It is a craft. It's a key that you, a key word you said there. It's a craft. You become good at it. And there are many, what is good? There are many levels of good. There are mm. many styles of music. So that might, figuring out what is good for you might be a little different than what is good for me. Um, these are all things that can be cultivated. If, like I say, like if, if we have a resource for fueling this, this growth in the community and, I think they're really wise words that you're saying. And thanks. Really great. Uh, really great having you as a first guest. Yeah, I think it's real important. I love that you said that you got to learn <laughs> that character, uh, being kind, you know. Um, can't say that enough nowadays, in, in all honesty, not just for the podcast, but for the world. So, true. All right, friends, welcome. And this is our adios to Beats, Brews, and Buddies. My name is Travis Schmidt my with my Jeremy Price. wonderful co-host, Jeremy Price. And we'll, uh, we'll give a, a round of applause for uh, Corey Schmidt, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know how many times I wanted to hit these buttons? Hey, I did it, and it worked. 
We'll Hello. see you guys next time. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for coming, Corey. It was a real pleasure to talk with you guys. Yes, sir. Bye.